Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to Compared to Who the Podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, your host, and today we are going to be talking about one of the most famous stories in the Bible about comparison. And really, there's a whole body image subtext, I think, to this story that we're going to dig into a little bit too. But today we're talking about Rachel and Leah. And I call today's episode, What About Leah? Because I feel like for so many years, growing up in a Christian home, growing up in church, growing up in Christian school, the fact that Leah looked different than Rachel was just kind of glossed over. In fact, I don't know if, if like me, you had the 70-year-old, the dear sweet 70-year-old Sunday school teacher who tried to encourage the middle school girls with sentiments like, God made everyone beautiful. But I didn't do this. But now I kind of wish I could go back and say, but teacher, what about Leah? Why is it fair that God makes Rachel beautiful and tells us that about her in the Bible and makes Leah not so beautiful? So that's what we're going to dig into today. If you have a Bible and you're not driving, uh, go ahead and grab it and turn to Genesis 29. We're going to start in verse 17. I'm just going to read it for you. This is a verse that for many, many years I would have called the meanest verse in the entire Bible. Let me read it for you. It goes like this. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Okay, now I don't know about your Bible, but I'm fairly confident it's like mine. And there's no asterisk that says, yeah, Leah had weak eyes, but she had really great thighs. There's nothing in there about Leah having a dynamic personality that made her inner beauty shine through to the external. I mean, it just goes right out there and it says Leah's eyes are weak, but Rachel, yeah, she was beautiful. Now, I don't know if you've gotten into any of the Bible Project stuff, and I can put a link to the Bible Project in the show notes if you're not familiar with it, but these guys do incredible stuff. They basically explain the whole narrative of how the Bible works, how to read the Bible, and they go book by book through different books of the Bible and kind of explain to you things that I have never seen or heard before. So it's an incredible resource. But I was watching one of the episodes last night, and it was about biblical character development. And the authors of the Bible Project made this statement. They said, the Bible only tells us what someone looked like when it's important to the story. And so when we hear 
that Leah was not as hot as her sister Rachel, that's important. Another thing to notice, the Bible is very careful about the words it chooses. And in verse 17, we have what's called a conjunction, that word but, right in between the two phrases. If you're a grammar nerd, you've got two independent clauses with a conjunction in between. That means it's a compound sentence. Those are two separate thoughts joined by a conjunction. And that conjunction but is there on purpose, right? It could be and, right? That would still work grammatically that Leah's eyes are weak and Rachel is beautiful. But that's not the word that's there. The word is but. It's a word that compares and contrasts these two ladies as different from each other. And that's important to the story. Let's go on to verse 18. My Bible reads, Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. This is a parenthetical note here. Laban is Jacob's uncle. And so Jacob has just fled from a bad situation to his uncle's town. And he has found his cousin, Rachel, who's really hot and decided he's in love with her. And now he's saying crazy things like, I'll serve you seven years if I can just marry your younger daughter, Rachel. And his uncle Laban says in verse 19, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served Laban for seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Okay, so let me break this down for you. Jacob is crazy over hot Rachel, right? Well, how does it feel to be Leah in that situation? Your younger sister has a new boyfriend, and you're still feeling like the ugly, lonely one. This story gets worse for Leah. So what happens is, verse 21, if you're following along, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So we can assume this is seven years later. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so. He completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. And then in verse 30, so Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah and served Laban for another seven years. I don't know about you, friends, but this story always has made me sad. I spent many years thinking about poor, poor Leah. I mean, how must she have felt when her father tricked Jacob? How utterly and completely devastating it must have been to hear her own father confirm her greatest fear. No man will ever love you. You aren't pretty enough. Pretending you're Rachel is the only way I'm ever going to get you married. Then I picture her wedding day and how she must have felt that night. The confusion involved with desperately wanting to savor the shower of physical love, the pleasure of being physically enjoyed, while knowing simultaneously that none of that delight was really intended for her. How can any woman bear the weight of feeling loved only because darkness was hiding all that was true? First Light's revelation only compounded Leah's suffering. Her brief taste of warm acceptance was doused with an ice bucket of cruelty. For a woman, the severest form of rejection is that which follows physical intimacy. 
And out of a heartbroken place, I picture her shouting, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel! Almost like, did you ever watch the Brady Bunch 1970s sitcom? That's what Jan would always say about her older sister, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And I see Leah in that same way, just lamenting the pain of living in her beautiful sister's shadow. The scripture doesn't explicitly tell us this. I also imagine Leah screaming at the sky to God, This isn't fair! Why didn't you make me more beautiful? But I believe God's answer to Leah would have been this. Physical beauty won't save you, Leah. Because the truth is, physical beauty couldn't save Rachel either. The story of these two sisters, Rachel and Leah, they married the same man. They're trapped in this continuing cycle of sibling rivalry and crazy comparison stuff that had likely started well before their wedding days. But it shows us some amazing truths about physical beauty. Though this whole story played out thousands of years ago, we can apply their experience to some of our struggles today. So here's a couple lessons that I think we can learn. First of all, God didn't make every woman equally physically beautiful. Ouch. That kind of hurts, right? I mean, it is much nicer to think we're all physically beautiful in different ways. That's a really nice sentiment. We do throw it around as if it's going to help everyone feel better and overcome their body image issues. But friends, it's just not true. Not according to scripture, at least. Although some scholars do believe that Leah was pretty with some sort of eye problem being her only distinguishing flaw. I I just can't get there. I think, like I said earlier, the Bible intentionally makes a distinction between the two women so we can fully grasp the tension in their relationship. Either way, the word is clear that Rachel was physically more attractive than Leah. God doesn't apologize for this or add any extra verses to explain it. We know from these verses that God didn't make every one of us women beautiful physically in an equal way. So how does God get away with that? I mean, seriously, isn't that rude? Okay, think about your own dad or someone else close to you in your life. If this person you knew put on Facebook, you are nice, but your sister is a hottie, how would you feel? I mean, I don't know about you, but I would be pretty upset. I would feel kind of frustrated, maybe a little sad, a little hurt. Okay, so this just isn't their dad or some other random commentator making this assessment of Leah's beauty versus Rachel's beauty. No, friends, this is God, the God of the universe. And if God says it, there's a really good chance, in fact, 100% chance that it's true, right? So how is that kosher? How is it okay for God to just go right out in the Bible and tell us that one woman was physically beautiful while another wasn't? I mean, isn't that just mean of God? Have you ever thought of that before? Here's why it's not. It's not mean of God because in God's economy, physical beauty is just another attribute. It's like saying Zacchaeus was short, but Saul, King Saul from the Old Testament, was tall. That's not me. No one's offended by that just objective statement of fact, right? Maybe to bring it to something more current, it's like saying that the person leading worship can sing and maybe I, this is true, cannot sing. I mean, I really shouldn't be offended by that. It's just a statement of fact. The person up there leading worship is a much better singer than I am. They have been gifted with a singing talent that God didn't give to me, but that shouldn't really make me upset. 
or sad or frustrated. It's just a statement of fact. You see, the problem, friends, is that we live in a culture that tells us that physical beauty defines our worth, that we are only valuable to people around us, to society itself, if we look a certain way. Friends, that's not biblical. That's cultural. But how many times do we believe it? And we buy that lie and believe that physical beauty means more than just the way you look on the outside. It means something much deeper in our culture. And God never intended it that way. In fact, there's lots of scriptures that support the truth that God looks on the heart, right? When God was looking for a king for Israel, everyone assumed that he would choose one of David's bigger, taller, stronger, better looking brothers. But instead he chose King David, a man that he said was a man after his own heart, right? And King David, Bible tells us, wasn't really anything to look at. He was kind of a runt compared to everyone else. But then look at someone like Esther. The book of Esther tells us over and again that Esther was really physically beautiful. And that's important to the story of Esther, because had she not been born that way, the king would have never chosen her as the next queen, and she wouldn't have been in a position of power and influence to save her people. The truth that we need to glean here is that God has given us everything we need physically to fulfill his purpose in our life. When God makes us look the way we do, it's for a reason. God doesn't allow physical beauty or a lack thereof to impact his plans. Let's go back to that story of Rachel and Leah for a second. Leah married Jacob only because her father pulled a bait and switch on her sister's would-be groom. And yet what happens? Well, Leah ends up bearing Jacob many sons, one of whom is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. God actually uses the uglier sister a twisted wedding night deception, and a whole lot of crazy competition between the sister wives to establish a home for the eventual 12 tribes of Israel, one of whom was named Judah, the forefather to the Messiah. Now, if you look later in chapter 29, you can read what happens when when Leah starts having children and how she reveals just how much she desires to be in better standing with her husband. When Leah has her first baby boy named Reuben, She says, because the Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. She hoped that having one child would win her some attention from her husband, Jacob. But apparently having one baby didn't change that much. So she tries again, and she bears another son. This time she named him Simeon. This is Genesis 29, 33, if you're following along. And scripture records this as her response. Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. Third time's a charm though, right? Another son, Levi, will certainly give Leah the love she craves. So you see in verse 34 what happens. Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. But alas, nothing poor Leah could do would win her the heart of Jacob. And see what she says when she bears a fourth son, Judah. This is verse 35. She says something surprising. She says, this time I will praise the Lord. We're going to see what we can learn from this story right after this break. Body image been bogging you down for too long. It's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparejahoo.me. Take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparejahoo.me. There's lots of great resources on that site. 
articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Friends, I'm not sure what your struggle is. Maybe it's with the mirror. Maybe it's with that stubborn 20, 30, 50, 80, whatever number you choose, pounds that you keep gaining and losing. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you, like Leah, desperately want the attention and love of your man, yet he seems distracted and distant. Well, it's kind of nice to know that Leah experienced the same thing. But what's even more reassuring is that Jesus did too. He wasn't just misunderstood and ignored. Jesus was despised and rejected. Ouch. Let those words sink in. Despised and rejected? I mean, it's one thing to not feel like others care or others don't make a fuss over you, but it's quite another thing to be despised. You see, the beauty of the story of Leah is that we can get a clearer picture of how God works. It's not in the ways that we'd expect. God uses the broken, the banged up, the dim-eyed, and the hurting to accomplish his purposes here on earth. And lest you think Leah was the only struggling sister, I'd encourage you to finish reading Genesis 30. Beauty didn't make Rachel's life a bag of Hershey kisses either. But here's something else I want you to see in the story of Leah. Regardless of what Leah looked like, God had tremendous purpose for her life. In fact, like I mentioned earlier, she's a great-grandmother in the lineage of Jesus Christ. God chose her, and God gave her everything she needed to accomplish his purpose in her life. How many times have you thought to yourself, or maybe heard someone say out loud that they've been cursed with big thighs or a big butt? What if we could stop believing the lie that parts of our physical appearance that may not be perfect according to culture standards are holding us back from anything. You see, friends, I think I've shared this before, but when I finally realized that God didn't make me have a supermodel's body because he didn't have any supermodeling in mind for my life, it was freeing. And, you know, I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what part of your body is your hang-up or who you grew up comparing yourself to and always thinking you fell short. But friends, the truth is God has given you all that you need to accomplish his purpose for your life. And that's not just on the inside, that's on the outside too. So there is a tremendous speaker named Nick Vojovic. His 
ministry is called uh, Life Without Limbs, I believe, and I can put a link to that in the show notes too. But he is awesome, you guys. He's an Australian man, but he was born without any arms or legs. If you've never seen him or heard of him, you really need to go to his stuff and look it up. Because here's the deal. He was bullied as a kid. I think he tried to commit suicide at one point as maybe a teen or early teen. But friends, he has a global ministry where he preaches to millions, literally millions of people. You see, God gave him everything he needed to fulfill his purpose in this world. And apparently God didn't think he needed arms or legs. Like, I don't know about you, but I complain about my legs a lot, maybe too much, or at least I used to. But I can't imagine being born without legs, how that would feel, how I might feel as if God had shorted me, like maybe Leah felt, like God gave her the short end of the stick, and how I can't really do anything because I don't have these legs. Well, that's not how Nick Vojevic approaches life. In fact, he said one time I heard him speak and he said that he prayed, hey God, how can I be the hands and feet of Jesus when I don't even have any arms or legs? But wow, he's not let that stop him. So look him up. He's amazing. But guess what? You're amazing too. And God has just as amazing of a purpose for your life as he did for Leah's and for Nick Vojevic's. And I pray that today you'll take a fresh look at the story of Rachel and Lee. If you didn't get to read Genesis 29 along with us, check that out in your Bible tonight or later this week or whenever you have time. And really dig into the truth that it's okay that God made these two sisters look different and that God had a unique purpose for each of their lives. And really, the beauty doesn't save us, friends. I mean, we talked about this in the first couple episodes of this podcast. If you haven't listened to the Body Image Idolatry episode, episode two, I really hope you'll go back and listen to that. But beauty doesn't save us. Physical beauty doesn't do what it promises it will do. It doesn't ultimately give us peace, joy, comfort, rest. Only Jesus can do that. So let me pray for you as we end this episode. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will touch my friend's heart. I pray that you will show her that more physical beauty doesn't ultimately get her more of you. I pray that you will soften her heart in areas where she's hardened it. I pray that you will change change her eyes to see beauty as you see beauty. I pray that you'll help her defeat her body image idol, if that's really what she's battling. And I pray that you will help her to find her purpose in you and that she will know the satisfaction of discovering what she was created for. Well, thanks for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement 
and the faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.